drinking tea with chamomile and valerian in it that your mom left here. <laughs> I was getting really sleepy upstairs too. Valerian? Yeah. Apparently it's like a make you chill out and go to sleep. The funny part about or, that is the valerians from Volar were a super evil nation in my favorite Anthony Ryan series, Raven's song. Uh, Raven. Speaking Raven's of, is that is that sci-fi? Fantasy. Okay. So yeah. I saw when I was at Goodwill today a Star Wars like puffer jacket. I think it would have been too small for Titus, but I almost bought it anyway. Because mm. <laughs> it was it was kind of cool. Like it looked like ca- it was camo and then it was like gray and black, gray, gray and white camo. And then we looked closer. It was actually Star Wars faces embedded in the camo. Funny, funny little note is that in one of my voiceover demos I referenced the Valerians in the script I thought it was just kind of a little nod to Anthony Ryan anyway welcome to Too Busy to Flush this is what you get when you start listening to our podcast I'm JR I'm Molly and we're married and this is typically the most substantive conversation we have about anything all week long and somewhere down the line I mean I wanted to read I wanted to do a new podcast last year and then you know somewhere in January before COVID hit, we decided it'd be fun to do it together. So, yeah. You're always looking for the next new talent you can produce. <laughs> and little did you know, your talent was right under your roof. Well, you are extremely <laughs> talented. But before we get to that, there's before we get to like where I want to wind you up and let you go, there are two... <laughs> we have had some, some conversation over the week, and I've been like, I got to get this on the podcast. But... I want to first apologize to our listeners for being Thursday, skipping last week and almost skipping all of this week on a podcast. It was not intentional. I apologize. The uh, fact of the matter is I decided it, that I to take my family. My sister and I decided, who she lives in Portland, we decided to meet halfway over Labor Day weekend in camp. So um, Molly put on her big girl panties. and I don't wear panties. I wear underwear. We, we is there a difference? Yeah. The word. Oh. It's an ew word. Oh, okay. I thought there was a difference in the actual substance of, of the material, like what you There wear. might be. Hmm. I'm a cotton girl. Are you cotton? I'm smart wool all the way. I actually looked up smart wool underwear for women on Sierra Trading Post today because mm-hmm. I was curious because you're all about your smart wool underwear. I love it to death. And they have two star reviews on the women's underwear. Really? Yeah. Maybe it's I, an anatomy thing. I'm wondering if it's like how they're shaped, but they were like, like the people who reviewed them did not like how they fit. They said they bunched in the front and the back. Weird. Mine don't bunch at all. Strange. Anyway, um, we decided to go camping and Molly got everybody prepped. Now, to preface this, Molly has not slept in a tent in like 25 years. At least. So this was a stretch, and we have a two-year-old toddler we decided to take with us. Because where else would we have done with her? Right. Left her with the dog so, with my parents. So, regardless, it was, I thought it was a fantastic, it was a fantastic trip. I, I mean, it went as smooth, I think, as it could have been. What were your thoughts, having... I was very, I, I had friends praying for me, I'm not going to lie. Because you know I'm like when I don't get even one night of sleep. And the thought of four nights of children not sleeping was not good for me. But I think the fact that we had two separate tents, so there wasn't the constant rustling of sleeping bags 
you know, we only had a couple of people wrestling in sleeping bags instead of um, six people wrestling in them. And Faith could be put down in her own space to fall asleep because she doesn't fall asleep. She's not even a snuggle up and fall asleep person. Like if she wakes up crying, she has to be snuggled for a minute and then put back in her bed in order to fall asleep. So the fact that she could have her own space and the fact that we had a mattress that we were sleeping on and our kids, I only had two nights of kids crying in the other tent that I had to go in and sleep on the hard ground with them for a while. But even that was short enough term that my sleep far exceeded my expectations and your sister and I worked our butts off with food prep beforehand. Mm -hmm. But that meant that we had very easy meals. Oh, when we were it was so smooth. Like, yeah. what is your breakfast this morning? Oh, we, we pre-done. So Carrie, like, threw together breakfast sandwiches. They're already pre-wrapped in foil. Threw them in the pot, just warmed them up, and we ate them. It was great. Uh, and then one morning, you'd, you'd pre-made a bunch of breakfast burritos, which were outstanding. Mel's Kitchen Cafe Make-Ahead Freezer Breakfast Burritos. I actually bought tater tots at Natural Grocers today. So I could make another batch of them, but following her recipe, which would be easier. Um, but yes, we'll put a link in the notes for those burritos because they're fantastic. And we're going to have them in our freezer for the rest of our lives. Right. So the drive there and the drive and the drive and the trip was great. But then the drive home was terrible because it, winter hit Montana. So the road, the passes were all covered in snow and wet and low visibility and there was 60 mile an hour winds and it was just miserable it took us forever um you know and then we get back and tuesday hits and i'm just playing catch up all day tuesday on everything and then wednesday still playing catch up and, and we started school you start oh you started school how was the first the first day was good i'm stretching our, our curriculum is four heavy days a week and then one light day and I'm stretching those four heavy days into this Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and next Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Mm. But we've got stuff going on. Like tomorrow, Titus is going out with you guys to set up for this sporting clay shoot. Tuesday, we have our co-op outing to the zoo. Um, and so whenever we have co-op days, those are kind of throwaway days. We don't do school generally those days. Um, so um, I knew I would need to start light anyway. But um, this is, I'm now homeschooling three instead of two. Speaking of, today I came upstairs, or I came, actually I wasn't downstairs at all. I was outside doing spray work. But I came in, like right around lunchtime I came home. And you were teaching Elise how to read. And, you know, as you've, if you follow us, if you know us personally, or you've been listening to our podcast for a while, you know we've got a hurricane of a, of a third born. And she's just nuts. Like, everything about her is just nuts. I find it quite amusing for the most part. But she can really wear It sucks Molly the life down. out of me. Right. But she, every time she would, like, read something, she would cackle in laughter and just, like, exude eliseness in, like, this one little teeny thing. What was that experience like for you? <laughs> it's infuriating. Because by then, I just want to get through it. Um, and, you know, I'm like, she's, we've worked really slowly through this reading book. Like, we started probably in January, mm -hmm. like one lesson every two weeks, which is a terrible way to do it. Because 
she forgets what the letter sounds that we've already worked on make. And so right. we're here and she's got like half of them down. So, you know, say the T sound and she's like, you know, say a D sound, you know, now what's this letter? Uh, ah, no, that's eh. Now say this one. This is E. And we went through E, ah, and eh over and over and she just kept getting them mixed up and I don't know if she was if she just wasn't even trying because then she gets to the ones she just wanted to skip ahead to the ones that she wanted but but she sounded out I mean this remember this is a kid who's learning to read for the first time I'm doing something like reheating my coffee probably and she's like it did I get that right mommy did I get that I'm like I don't know I'm not looking at it I have to come look at it um, cause we're doing, we do sounds of letters, not letter names. Mm -hmm. So she does, I can't say like, is it an I and then a T, you know, like she doesn't, she's not supposed to know those cause that's confusing. Cause English is confusing. Um, so I come look and she's just keeps saying it, it over and over. And sure enough, she had pronounced, she had sounded out it. And then we turned the page and she read a sentence, which was mad at me. And she did it a that's, couple of... That's what I heard. And, and when she read it, she just cackled and laughed. Well, the like thing is, she exuberance. was cackling in laughter because, like, the, it clicked, I think, for her the first time that she was reading something that meant something. And she was so excited because it went from, I'm sounding out this series of three letters. Like, we were, we've been sounding out individual letters. Like, m a d What's that say? Mad. Okay, that's a word, right? It means mad. Like, I'm mad at you. Oh, yeah. Mad. But when you run it together and you're like, I just, by myself, looked at these three words and they mean something to me. And she desperately wants to be able to read because Titus and Lily are voracious readers. And she's, like, she's out of the club. You know, like when we were camping, she brought along her entire Winnie the Pooh book set, actually, was in her backpack. But she was really stuck on the Pooh gets stuck in rabbits whole story. And, um, which, by the way, we know, thanks to my mom, own in Spanish. So now she's going to get bored like crazy trying to get this whole story out in Spanish. But I might do a couple of keywords for her. Um, but she... Like that, like that moment, I hope that's very motivating to her to do, to stop screwing around during the reading lessons and be like, every time I get to the end of the lesson, I read more sentences that mean something. Hmm. Um, so I that's just, why her she enthusiasm, was scattling. I know, but she was so enthusiastic. It kind of made me laugh because I don't think any of our kids have, have been that. Well, none of our kids are, none of our kids are, are Elise. Yeah, exactly. Wait, just wait till we get to Elise or Faith. My um, so first day of school, and then the last thing I wanted to ask you about, we've I've got to bring this up because it was so incredibly mind blowing. Oh boy! Just uh, words can't express how unbelievable it was. You're talking about your sprayer. No, I'm talking about your monkey bread. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that was something. That was straight next level. I don't, I, I've never, I'm something of a bakery connoisseur and I will have all sorts of baked goods. And, uh, this is far surpasses anything I've ever, this. So when I was a kid, um, I was probably in high school. My mom always made 
caramel rolls uh, for Sunday morning. Well, you know why she, she told me why she did that. Right. Because it's a fast way to get you guys food in you guys and right. get you out the door for church. So, but she always made these caramel rolls and she'd always make them on Saturday. She would start with Saturday because she'd make them huge, you know, typically Saturday night dinner was beans and rolls. And so we'd have, we'd have, you know, this really elaborate, delicious beans with baked beans with like all sorts of good stuff in them with homemade rolls, the freezing recipe and the homemade strawberry freezer jam. And we just, we just it, it binge. It was awesome. But while she was making all the bread, she would also prep the bread for the caramel rolls the next day. And one night she made them and I don't know what happened, but they didn't cook or they partially cooked or whatever. But we were outside and I remember coming in and seeing this pile of cinnamon, you know, when the cinnamon gets, when cinnamon and butter, they get that kind of just caramely glaze, that brown glaze. It's, it's a little bit crusty. Speckled over everything, you know. It was just this pile. It was a pile on the cutting board. A pile. Like, it looked like a pile of dough. And I'm like, what happened? My mom, was, she was she was horrified. She'd start all over from scratch. Something happened and they didn't cook. And she's like, this is awful. It's just, I just got to throw them all away. <laughs> you know. My brother and I, being, you know, boys, we started picking at it, and it was gone in probably a half an hour. And she's like, no, you can't eat that. It's gross. We're like, are you kidding me? This is the best thing we've ever had in our lives. That goes down in history as the best cinnamony, delicious, bready thing I've ever had in my life until you made your monkey bread. You know I'm never like going to be able to repeat that. And I'm going to be crushed so what'd you do though? Our listeners want to know. They want to know, <laughs> at least give them the recipe so they can attempt, okay, they so, can attempt heaven in a pan. Right. So I used my normal sourdough white bread recipe, which is what I used for sandwich bread, for cinnamon rolls, for dinner rolls that I make in a muffin pan. Pretty much anything I want to do with white bread now, I do with that. I started it so late and it was cold enough because that was... It was that was the night that it hit 30 in Billings overnight and we didn't have our heat on. So our house was like low 60s by the time we woke up. So sourdough needs heat to go. So it didn't rise well the first time. This was supposed to be breakfast. I even set my alarm for really early and got up so I could shape them and do all the things and have it ready for more or less for a late breakfast after the second rise. And that didn't happen. So it was like almost lunchtime by the time I was ready. But anyway... That aside, I used my regular white sourdough bread, and then I followed Mel's Kitchen Cafe, of course. Um, of course. <laughs> monkey bread recipe. I kept looking around, and I wanted one that was, like, from scratch. A ton of monkey bread recipes use vanilla pudding as, like, the base of the caramel sauce. So, like, a package of vanilla pudding where I don't think you actually, like, make the pudding. I don't know. You add cinnamon. I don't know what they do. Weird. But, anyway, there's so many fake plasticky carcinogens in pudding mixes. I'm not going to have those in my house. Um, so, so hers is just like a straight up from scratch. Oh, and a lot of them also call for biscuit dough, which, you know, I didn't know how that would change. So anyway, she, I never would have thought of this, but she smashes her dough out flat. She has her own dough recipe that I didn't use because I wanted the sourdough. Salvaging a little bit of health in this. And then... <laughs> Um, 
And it was also like there was no the other reason I chose hers is because there wasn't like a make ahead caramel recipe. Mm. Like a lot of them, you make a caramel sauce and mm-hmm. you pour it over the top. So with the, hers, you just you smash the dough into like an eight by eight square, and then you just use a pizza cutter and you cut it into eight slices this way and sense. eight slices this how thick, way. How thick? How tall is the? It was like half an inch, probably. Half an inch. And then you just roll each little cube. So you make sixty-four eight by eight. Eight times eight fell on the floor. Pick it up. It's sixty-four. And just roll them into a ball. Dip them in melted butter. It was one stick of melted butter. Dip them in melted butter and then dip them in a brown sugar cinnamon mixture. And then just layer them in a bunt pan. A well-greased bunt pan. It's important Is that anybody it be drooling right now already? And then you just bake. And then you let them rise. And when it's a slow-going sourdough, you let them rise forever. <laughs> covered in an oven. I think it's important that they're covered so that you retain all the moisture. Um... And then you just bake them uncovered for like 30 minutes. And they did. They came out like the butter had soaked in and given it kind of that nice crispy. And then you have to be sure. Here's the other thing. You let them cool in the pan for like three to five minutes. And then you have to flip it upside down because if the caramel hardens in the pan, you can't get it out, which it did eventually. Like the But stuff you even was... pulled them out at the perfect point in time. They were like, like it just they were super soft. I didn't know how my... My, my normal bread recipe would. I encourage it. anyone listening right now to go make this tomorrow. Like it. You can't make it tomorrow. It's it's been. It takes a lot of time, especially yeah. if you're doing sourdough. So it's been, and it's really late right now that we're recording this show. Um, it. You know your sourdough donuts have been my favorite thing. To date, and then again, these this monkey bread comes out and just like. It's not healthy, but it was a whole cup of sugar. No, there's nothing healthy about it. But no, no, here's the thing: is the entire thing for snack time. In seconds, and then except for except for little Faith, who is in a, I don't like that. She looks at, I don't like tomatoes. I don't like ketchup. I don't like carrots. I don't like pizza. Yes, you do. Eat your pizza. I don't like that. She's been listening to Elise. You don't I think even, we have Elise number two on our hands. You don't even know what that, that is. And the kids are like, just try it, Faith. Just try it. And she's just resolute. I don't like that. <laughs> just try it. You will love it. Green uh, eggs and ham toddlers. all over again. Speaking of green eggs and ham, guess what the Sam figure's name is in the Spanish green eggs and ham? Uh so, green eggs and ham is huevos verdes con jamón. So, the guy who keeps offering Ramon. it, his name is Juan Ramón. Yes! Because <laughs> you can't really say, like, Sam I am. Right. Um, which is kind of a Yoda-ish thing, anyway. So, so to fit the same number of syllables, they named him Juan Ramón. That's hilarious. Yeah. Okay, so, on to our main... Uh, we never do this. We never have a main topic, but... But we kind of um, do. Molly, let's talk about The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys. So I, this is on our drive over to to Idaho. I'm just, you know, I actually brought some really good books that my mom bought for the kids. They're written by a missionary doctor in um, Africa. And they're, they're a combination of like, like there's talking animals and there's a spirit world that it's not overtly Christian, but 
it certainly points to the Christian worldview and the creator. Anyway, they were great. I yeah, brought them to read, try to... I am amazed at how quickly she reads they books. Were, they were short children's novels, but yes, I read three of them while we were camping. But that's also because <laughs> I wasn't cooking and cleaning. Um, True. And our kids were mostly self-entertaining. Um, so I was going to read those, but then I was just scrolling Instagram, because that's what you do when you still have internet service and you still have a battery power that you can plug your phone into. And I follow The Rock on Instagram. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yes. I'm not really sure why I started following him. He's got a zillion... Because he's kind of funny. He is sort of kind of funny sometimes. Accessible. So he has this like 16-minute video. Maybe it was only 14. I didn't watch all of it. Um, But I started watching some of it because I had seen somebody else comment that he was talking about having had COVID. And so I was curious what he would have to say and... He starts it really somber, and he's like, so I've been through the toughest experience of my life for the last three weeks. I mean, I've been through a lot of really tough things. I've had physical injuries over and over again in my different careers. I've been bankrupt multiple times, um, you know, all these things, but this is the worst thing of my life. So my, my entire family was diagnosed with COVID. And then... and. I think the reason why he was saying it was the hardest experience of his life, if I understand him correctly, primarily was because he felt like he has two young daughters. That's why I started following him, is because he's super cute with his two young daughters. Um, And he posts pictures of videos of him with them. But um, so he's, he's, I think he felt like like he had failed as a father in protecting Mm. his children from you know, the greatest threat of our time in many people's opinions. Um, And so here he's been working really hard to protect his family and he fails. And so it's not just the physical threat. It's also the crushing, like my entire purpose in life. My main purpose in life is to protect my daughters and I failed here and but, but then he goes on to say so my daughter's had a sore throat for like two days but it was all like tea parties and giggles and bouncing around so you know they're they're fine and my wife and I we had a tougher go of it but but we're good now and you know I would assume that his tougher go of it would probably be comparable to our friends that we know who've had it which you know it's not a cold it's more than a cold And I know that some of them have, you know, several weeks later are still really struggling with fatigue, loss of a sense of smell, um, you know, they keep coughing. So it's not, it's more for, for even an adult in good health, a lot of people, it's more than a cold. Um, so I understand like he and his wife maybe had a much tougher time within his daughters, but then he goes on to say he's, he's come out with a couple of lessons And I feel like there were three lessons and I can only remember two now. So the third one obviously didn't count. So the first one was take good care of yourself. Um, He's like, you know, my wife and I were really careful about what we eat, what we, I mean, I don't know. He he has his own tequila brand. Maybe it's like high quality or organic tequila or something because he sure (laughs) seems to consume a lot of it. Um, I I mean, I get this. No throwing stones at the rock or anything. (laughs) anyway so so um which i totally agree with you know we've bumped up our zinc i was thinking today we need to get back be more consistent with our magnesium supplementation um 
but you know we take good care of our bodies we get exercise we eat healthy you know so he's saying all these things and he says i i believe that that really helped us to come through but the reason that we're talking about this right now is not so that i can rehash a video that everybody could have gone and watched in the same Mm -hmm. amount of time so his second takeaway um was he talks about where they got it and they had family friends over and he says these family friends didn't know they had it they feel terrible for giving it to all of us we've talked it through we're okay it hasn't ruined our friendship but we will never let our guard down like that again and he's like i encourage you do not let your guard down with anybody if you want to see anybody you need to make them get tested the day before they come over to your house and, you know, if they won't get tested or if they can't get tested, you don't see them. And you just, you cannot let your guard down with anybody. And that's why I turned it off because I was, first of all, not everybody probably can afford getting their groceries delivered like The Rock probably can, has a giant in-home gym like The Rock probably does, and can sit in his office and produce new TV shows and make literally millions and millions of dollars while sitting at home quarantining his family. And can afford to, or has friends, the only friends you have are ones who can afford to pay for a COVID test every time you get together. Um, So first of all, it's completely unrealistic. Second of all, I have more friends than that. (laughs) (laughs) But thirdly, the thing that really bothered me and that I think has been increasingly bothering me, and I've now, now that I've been thinking about it, I'm seeing other people kind of sounding this alarm in various posts um, around the internet. But but essentially, he is saying, everybody in your world is a threat to you. It's each man for himself. And you are the only one who can protect you. And you should be suspicious of everyone. You should fear everyone. And I, the more I look around, like the whole mask thing says... You are a danger to me. And you, the best you can do is to wear a mask to mitigate you being a danger to me. Um, if you buy into the idea that masks are that effective. Um, but we'll, we'll set that aside and just say that mask wearing, that promoting mask wearing and then the anger coming from people who aren't mask wearing in many contexts, I think is because we are deeply internalizing in our psyche the idea that everybody is a danger to me. And it's turning, like, that is the grounds for, I mean, like that's, that's all sorts of dystopian novels. Like, what's the Will Smith movie with the zombies? Where he's got the dog. I am legend. Yeah, the saddest part of the movie is when the dog dies. Spoiler alert. But if you haven't seen it by now, that's tough on you. Zombies have second intelligences. Well, so, you know, but it's like he's out. He's the only one who can take care of himself. Or the Hunger Games. Like, you you can team up with somebody, but they might stab you in the back. You know, Survivor. You know, like, you're in it for you. And I think that's becoming... The mentality of people, I don't know about in other countries, probably for sure in other Western countries. My gosh, I wouldn't want to live in Australia right now. They arrested a woman in her home in front of her little kids because on the Internet, she said she protested mask wearing. 
She didn't even leave her home, and they came to her home and arrested her. But, um, but I, in America, because that's where I live, I believe that we will not, in this generation, emerge, recover from sus- being suspicious and fearful of literally everybody who crosses our path. And I think that, that, I don't know, I, I, I don't think it started here. I think it started in our modern American mindset that we are so technologically advanced and so well evolved from the rest of the world or from the rest of history that we should be immune to suffering. And I think that's why people get mad at government leaders for things like hurricanes. Like George Bush could not have stopped Katrina, right? It's not his fault the levees broke. God sent Katrina, you know, because of God's infinite purposes and power and wisdom. And if nothing else to show I'm God and you're not. And in all of your hubris of thinking that if you just have the right technology, if you just build strong enough buildings, if you just have the right kinds of masks, you can mitigate every risk in your world. And we are, as a nation, a bunch of control freaks. We want absolutely no risk for anybody in our lives. We, we have incredibly boring playgrounds, although they're getting better. Um, but for a while there, playgrounds were horribly boring. And now they're super expensive in order to be both fun and safe. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, oh, our the kids... The days when you scald your butt on a piping hot slick sheet of steel. Right? <laughs> um, but, you know, even if you do go to some of these super cool playgrounds like Pioneer Park, like you get side the side eye from parents who don't think you're watching your kids closely enough. You know, it's like, look, lady, I have four kids. <laughs> like, I'm not going to watch any of them. Anyway, I, I think that like it's built up like this mentality. Well, it's not more prevalent since we had kids, since we started having kids. It's never been more prevalent the desire to eliminate all death or something with, you know, child child safety things car seats tables foam edges to everything you zip your child up in this thing at night so they don't do this and you know you have this on that so this doesn't happen and it's like and every child every child something that we've done for the previous child has been proven unsafe right by the time we get to the next it changes from kid to kid so by kid four it's like i'm gonna ignore everything and just do what i want because it's Literally, <laughs> you know the little triangle thing, the triangle bassinet that Faith slept in for the yes. first nine months? Yes. I sold that on Facebook Marketplace, and the next week, every single one of them was recalled. And they were like, literally, they are not to be found anymore. Secondhand, firsthand, they don't, like, you can't, you could not resell it anymore because they're considered wow. a safety hazard for babies. And yeah, I bought it, used because I had friends who swore by them for their kids. Mm. Anyway, um, but I... Point made. Yeah, yeah, point made. But I think that this... We're obsessed with safety. We're obsessed with safety. The masks... And and the fact that that perfect safety is inachievable in this world drives us into fear, which I'm not saying that all 
mental health issues are a result of this. Mental health issues are incredibly complicated. But the rates of anxiety in our country right now are through the roof. By the way, I saw something saying that opioid deaths, as though they weren't bad enough pre-COVID in the United States, we already had what was called the opioid crisis. They've skyrocketed. In the, like it now can be verifiably tracked. They've skyrocketed in the last couple of months. Um, but so we've got we've got we're li- we're now living in this constant at least low grade fear, um, but we're also living in low grade anger, which isn't low grade anymore, because we're mad at the world around us that we can't control. We're mad at God, whether we recognize He exists or not. And probably some of the maddest people don't have an obvious direct object for their anger. And we're and then we take it out on the few people who we can identify are transgressing the things that we would like them to be doing, the world around us to be doing to make us safe. But but what's troubling to me in all of this is now we've got parents who've been trapped at home with their kids for six months and they're sending them back to school and they're putting on a happy face about the masks, but they're freaked out and kids are a lot smarter than we give them credit for being. And so we're cultivating another generation of kids with mental health disorders who are living in anger and who are living in fear and who are taught that the world is a place to be very, very afraid of and that other people present such a risk to me that I can't even sit next to another kid at lunch. And it's not just a mental health crisis, it's also a physical health crisis. Because as in my lecture to you on the way to Idaho, as as I pointed out, stress and fear are closely related. And stress is one of the number one factors impacting particularly men's health, but all people's health in general. Um, You know, you're your dad was told that stress is like a number one contributor to heart attacks. And so now we're and the other thing is like, okay, so there's this term called ACEs, which are called adverse childhood events. And there's a bunch of those. Anytime I got caught. No, this <laughs> Anytime is I so, got so there's, there's a definition. Spit on me. There's a definition. Nerd. <laughs> Nobody ever spit on me. No, it was true. I was riding my bike. I, I remember know. going to football practice, and I was probably 10, 11, a little bit older than Tito, going to like little guy football practice, and these other dudes were riding their bikes down the other way on the sidewalk, and we just ride past, and all of a sudden, thwack, I get a loogie on the cheek. It's so gross. WTF. People are like, the worst. What in the world? I attract that stuff all the time. It's just it's People ridiculous. are the worst. Anyway. Um, anyway, so ACEs, adverse childhood events, um, are things like living in, um, in like, con- like knowing persistent food shortages in your mm-hmm. home, mm-hmm. Um, sexual abuse, uh, parental divorce is one of them, and I can't remember how high this score goes. I'm sort of talking over my head because this is something that I've dabbled in a long time ago. Um, but I like there's somewhere between like six and eight of these. And if you get a score of like three to four as a predictor of future physical health issues like diabetes, heart conditions, um, it's there's a direct correlation between your ACEs score 
and a predictor of of future physical health problems as an adult. Hmm. And there are, there are people who study children with ACEs and are following them through life. And the number of kids in our country with high ACEs scores right now is so astronomical that we are going to have a major crisis of health in our country when these kids come are our age, are 40 in their 40s and 50s, because their bodies are internalizing all of this trauma so much. And I think almost every kid in America could get at least a score, a one on their ACEs score just from how their family reacted to COVID. I mean, just, you know, the number of people who, who've who been so anxious and, you know, we've had our ups and downs with our anxiety and our anger too. We're not exempt, but I was texting a friend that I feel incredibly privileged um, in the, like, like, you know, the way that privilege is used poorly, you know, is a, as a derogatory term these days. But I feel that privilege in that, we homeschool already, so, you know, I bumped into a gal today, and she's like, how's the back-to-school, somebody who doesn't know me well, how's the back-to-school going? It's fine, we didn't have to make schooling and mask and distance learning decisions, or, you know, you know, any of that, we just, we carry on as we've always done, and, you know, we go to our cabin, and we go camping, and our kids think that mask wearing is funny, because they wear masks for max of, like, an hour and a half a week, in and out of places, and, you know, they they understand that we think it's annoying, but we haven't made an, you know, we haven't hopefully trickled down. And they also our, understand the wild inconsistencies they see. Well, with I don't know if they do or not, but I don't want to boggle their heads with that. I, I think want they them do. Titus has always asked me, Dad, do I have to wear a mask in this store? Yeah, that's true. But I, you know, like, I don't no, think the don't mask wearing has become a topic of anxiety for them in any direction. And so I don't think... That, you know, and and that we are privileged in that we can opt out of all of the anxiety of if I were a single mom, I wouldn't be able to be like, kids, you don't have to worry about wearing a mask and going to school. You know, I would have to worry about all of that. And I would have to worry about how am I going to keep my family safe? And if I get sick, how am I going to feed my family? And, you know, we just don't have all of those worries. And we have this big yard that our kids run and play outside in and get all sorts of vitamin D because we have the the space for them to do that. And so, um, you know, in, in the way that so much of the rest of America has deeply internalized angst. Um, and I would say that we live, you know, for, for a lot of the time we were in a place that, um, you know, also was, was not hit hard by COVID, but apparently per capita we're like, and we're not like, we're not on the bot. Like our curve is not going down yet. Most of the rest of the country, the curve is going down. Or has, like, gone way down. It's just typical everything in Montana. We're just late to the game on everything. We're super late to the game. And they're actually... um, One of our hospitals actually called for reinforcements. Nurses. What? Yeah. Every time I drive... Monday, I'm going to see my... St. V's, four COVID patients brought in... You know, because they're related to a hospital in Salt Lake City. They brought in nurses from Utah to help take care of COVID patients. I drive by... Whenever I have to go downtown, and it's rare anymore, but I've gone downtown... 
a good dozen times since the COVID outbreak. Every time I drive by their emergency tents and all the stuff set up in parking lots and everybody wandering around. They don't have that going on anymore, do they? Yeah, they do. They're always dead. They're standing around smoking cigarettes. Oh, well, (laughs) of course they are. God bless American health professionals. Yeah. Anyway, they, so we're not on the, you know, so I would say that for most of the summer we were, you know, not worried about, anyway. um, Still not. All that to say, I just, I... I feel, you know, like you went to bed mad the other night because I was talking politics and certainly we're internalizing all of I wasn't, this. I wasn't mad. I you wasn't mad because you were talking about politics. I was mad because of how... Um, Crazy our world is. Yes. And I'm going to leave it there because yeah. I'm already feeling my... So, I mean, I'm, I'm bringing that up to say we're not immune. No. You know, like it's... It's affecting our hearts. It's affecting our ability to love other people, especially other people who are different from us. Um, But I think that we, in terms of like our climate in our house as a general rule, is not one of angst and fear. And I think that a lot of parents would say, no, my house isn't one of angst and fear either. But the general, you know... What you see on the internet, what I see on social media, especially in the mask debate, is a lot of othering, and I'm using square quotes, scare quotes when I say that, but um, there's just a lot of othering, and by, by, cast, by seeing that other as dangerous to you, and I think that hardcore mask wearing people would say, well, they are dangerous to me. And that is their interpretation of the science of masks that I believe is yet to be settled, if there is such thing as settled science. Um, but gravity. They're always learning more things about gravity, though. Well, but that doesn't make that doesn't make gravity as a rule. That's true. Not settled. This is. We're true. always learning new things about it. It's like the stuff that we know. It's so cool. All right. So anyway. Um, I'm, I think I'm, I'm spooling down. I'm running out of coherent things so to say. So what, what do we do with all this? Like, how do we combat the anxiety, the fear? You know, I'm thinking back to, um, I'm specifically thinking about a, a person who posted on Facebook, you know, they're at the beach, whatever. And, you know, they were like, oh, I've been so overcome with anxiety and our racial, racial tension and our political drama and, I just can't, I can barely contain myself. I'm just, I'm overcome. And it's like, really? Like, you just sound like you're whining. Um, <laughs> but there's a lot of folks who genuinely feel that way. And yeah. And you know, so you know, what do you, what do you, what do you encourage them to do? Some of them even call themselves believers. And I'd be the first one to make an argument. Like, look, we don't, we have reasons not to be anxious. Yes. Everything is upside down in our world, but we don't have to fear death. We yeah. don't have to fear that we're losing control. We were never in control. We believe there's a God who's in control. So why are we anxious? Why are we fearful? Um, but that doesn't always resonate with people. No, it doesn't. And I think people would find it offensive to be challenged in their faith like that. Like to say, like, because mm, you're fearful. I'm going to go. I'm going to go start challenging them. Well, no, to say because you're fearful, that means you're not a Christian. You know, to. 
No, that's saying because you don't agree with Black Lives Matter, you hate black people. That doesn't, that doesn't, that's not yeah, fair. No, I'm not no, saying but that's, that's, what I, that's what I heard you saying. Um, I, I mean, so my, my encouragement would be to recognize where, when you're reacting against something, where is that being driven by fear? You know, to really dig down and be like, recognize, I mean, so for me, one area is, well, I'm not really afraid if me and my family getting COVID. We'll pl- probably be fine. But we have people in our lives that we love who are vulnerable. So, you know, when we were pretty serious about isolating early on, not knowing what we were facing, um, that was because of the people who are vulnerable in our worlds, mm-hmm. right? And so I think there are people who are still really worried about people that they love but the same rule comes down like you ultimately can't protect even the people that you love the most at some point you have to give them over to god and trust that he loves them more than you love them and he will protect them and he will call them home when he wants to call them home and he will be with you in the midst of even the most horrible suffering i mean I honestly can't imagine many worse ways to die than a COVID death by yourself in the hospital. You know, like the, it gets, anyway, some of the stuff that I read. So, um, I can't remember if it was a Facebook or an Instagram. No, it was a blog post from Samaritan's Purse from the tents that they had set up Mm -hmm. in Central Park. Um, I actually read like a nurse did a, a day in the life of, she was a night shift nurse And she, like, I mean, she's like, it was horrible. Like, you show up for your night shift and a third of the people who were there the day before are gone and they haven't been discharged. And some of them were sweet men in their 60s, you know, and no previous health problems. And they're dying alone and they're gasping for breath and they wake up disoriented and freaking out and they're pulling their tubes out and so you're you know you're restraining them anyway her description of it was yeah just you know i mean and then she's like and then you know we go on a break and we come back because you know we've got 15 minutes of break and we come back because somebody's crashed for the fourth time this night and we don't know how many more times we can revive them anyway um so i i it's a very real thing and you know to to ha- then have the guilt of, you know, my grandmother died alone in a hospital with COVID, a horrible suffering death, and it was my fault because I gave it to her. You know, like, nobody wants to live with that. Like, I get that very, very much because we did not visit my grandmother for that very reason um, this summer. Um, But at some point, you have to let it go. And the other thing is, with a lot of the othering, I'm trying to cultivate this in myself, a posture of humility that people can, in good faith, not trying to be selfish, actually have good faith differing interpretations of the available data that's good data to them, and to give them the benefit of the doubt, and you know, if you feel the need to distance yourself from somebody who's not wearing a mask, do it. 
if you have people who are deeply offended because you're not wearing a mask and they feel super threatened by you, is that a weaker brother situation or is it a defend the freedoms of our country that are slowly being eroded away? That's a personal wisdom call as far as I'm concerned because I think it's a both and. And I do wear masks around some people just because of them. And I don't wear masks around other people just because of them. Um, Because, you know, God's doing different things in everybody's hearts. But um, I would like to think that someday hashtag science will show us the truth because God created truth and science and good science and good data, which is iffy if we're getting that in a lot of things in this world right now. Um, Hmm. But, but I think that um, I I don't think Christian as many people who are anti-mask and who are Christian as though those things go together. Unfortunately, they do more often than not. Um, I, I don't think that we are as anti-science. I'm very pro-science as we get a rap for. Um, we just don't trust all of the sources of information that claim to be science. No, I don't trust anything on the internet. Um, you can trust us, though, even though you're listening to us on the internet. <laughs> you can you can trust what you believe from what we say, right. and you can take other things with a grain of salt, um, because God has an individual call on you in your life and what he's teaching you in these moments. But I hope that at least at some level, he's teaching you to throw off living in fear and to pursue teaching your kids um, the joy of choosing to, even if it's on a day-to-day basis. You know, I know I have friends who struggle with depression and choosing to not live in fear for them looks like just letting their kids do whatever they want for the day and dealing with a disaster because that's as much as they can do for the day. And I applaud that because I know that the weight of depression is both physical and emotional and mental. Like it's an entire package. And sometimes taking your kids camping for four days, taking your kids to the store for one hour is, you know, is beyond what you can do and then add on the anxiety of wearing a mask not wanting to wear a mask fearing what other people are doing like you know we're all in different places and so you before god determine where he might be calling you to trust him more and i hope that as as a christian community in this country we can be a light of not fearing I guess it would be my final point would be not fearing each other, you know, not, not fearing the situation, but also not fearing each other because we, without each other physically and emotionally and spiritually, we shrivel up and die and social inter social media interaction is like, I'm trying to think of a good metaphor. I mean, it's like if a tree needs to be watered and you pour mm-hmm. vinegar on it instead of water. Like, you're just killing the tree. You know? So, 
you need good quality you are a tree in 90 degree heat and what you need is not the vinegar of online interaction what you need is face-to-face quality community and pursue that quality community I don't want to say at any cost but look at the early church I mean well it depends on what version of history you believe but (laughs) now I'm trying to remember I was gonna say there's the ultimate version where we all came from outer space no 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 and then there's the version where you know I was gonna say you know look at the early church I mean they they met in all sorts of adverse situations look at the Chinese church right now they're actually the I read on the internet that they, the Chinese government is now paying people to submit videos and pictures of Christians meeting together so they can bust them. Um, but that was also true in that was also true in Rome. And yeah. so, what I was going to say about the reason, the version of Christian of history that you believe, you know, I've always grown up being told that the Christians met in the catacombs um, for worship services because the Romans were afraid to go there because of superstition. And so they would meet, you know, in the tombs. But then I read something the other day about like, no, this is actually what went on in the catacombs. And I can't remember what it was. So anyway, we'll go with my version of history right now, which is that the Christians were meeting in graves, you know, underground graveyards in order to still be together as Christians. So if that's the case, you know, at what, at what cost are you willing to go to be with other believers because I don't want to put it in this I was going to say because it's it's almost like your salvation depends on it and obviously your salvation depends on Christ alone because you're saved by faith alone by grace alone and Christ alone right but if you read the book of Hebrews do not give up meaning together and all the more as you see the day approaching, like in scripture, the this physical... is where I start my rant. No, you know, you don't do it because we have to stop. <laughs> but no, I mean, you're in agreement with me here. Yes, absolutely. But it's you are, um, you know, maybe if you're not online a ton, you're not pouring vinegar on your poor little parched tree. I'm picturing our cherry trees out there that we bought at Costco that no, have one leaf on the them. Cherry tree, yeah. <laughs> You guys. know, like, it's very trees. easy to kill that tree. Oh, the um, poor little trees. And, um, you know, I mean, most people, after a pandemic and riots, and now the entire West Coast is burning up, and, you know, school upheavals, you know, like, we are all very fragile right now. I mean, churches as bodies, as well as individual believers, and if we don't dig in our roots, we're, we're in the lukewarm getting spit out of God's mouth right now, I think. I've been thinking about this a lot, too. I don't know if I've told you this. Um, but I think that this is a season for us as American Christians to recognize, like, we either go find some water or we die on the vine. And we find water with other believers. We seek it together. We find it together. We share it with each other. And if we are not sharing living water with each other, there are Christians throughout history who have 
done their thing in isolation and the spirit has sustained them. But that's not your average person. Your average person was designed by God to be in community with believers. And mask, mask or not, set your chairs six feet apart from each other if you feel like you have to. But um, recognize that living in fear of other people is killing your soul. And on that note... <laughs> That's great. Yes, we should end the show. Um, too busy to flush.com, tb2f.com. You can follow us on Instagram at too busy to flush and on Facebook at too busy to flush. And um, obviously, we'd love to hear from you. So send us an email, send us a message, and we will respond and engage because that's what we do. And we like you. We do like you. Um, we like anybody that listens to the show. So that said, if you do like what you've heard, feel free to share us with your friends. Post something on your social page. Maybe share what you liked about it. Um, Molly has taken it upon herself to take up the banner of encouragement for other people. So um, if you post this on your Facebook page, she'll jump in and encourage you so you won't be alone. <laughs> and it'll be awesome. And we can all dance around the fire and whatever. Right. I don't even know what that means. Roast some marshmallows. Roast some marshmallows. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. Well, thanks for joining us. And um, sorry again for the delay getting the show out to you. But hopefully, um, hopefully, what we can try to get into some sort of groove. Although I just heard from my brother that my brother might be here now next week. So nothing. We can't find any sort of like equilibrium. It just doesn't. Just doesn't happen. But that's sort of life, isn't it? It is life. It is life. All right. Thanks for joining us. I'm JR. I'm Molly. Have a good uh, have a good week. <laughs>